started this morning. Um, the words of that song and the pictures that you just saw on the screen, in a lot of ways, uh, didn't really match up. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, life can be that way as well. Many times, we can know things in our head and in our heart and experience something that's totally different. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we continue our series entitled, God Is. We all, many of you, learned the words to that song, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good to me. In fact, some of you, you grew up and you prayed this prayer, God is great, God is good, let us what? Thank him for our food. And, you know, what's amazing is, is with our children, we teach our children that, we talk about that, we talk about that in churches, and we just kind of just accept it unquestioningly as kids, because that's all we know. The problem is the two-year-old becomes a 20-year-old, and they start looking at life in what Many times they sang what they prayed, what they were taught, and the things that they see don't match up. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And really, the problem comes from this right here. Holding my hand, a PVC pipe. Because all of us, many times we only see what's right in front of us. In fact, if I look at this picture right here, I can say unequivocally that this picture is white. This picture is totally white. Now, does this picture contain white in it? Yes, it does. But my problem is when I put this up to my eyes and I look at the white, that's all I'm seeing. Is there something else beyond just white in this picture? Of course there is. This picture is multifaceted, multicolored. In fact, it even says red on it. A lot of red in it. A lot of blues, blacks, grays. But my problem is I only see what's right in front of me. It's the problem of tunnel vision. Because... We sing, we pray, we say that God is great, we talk about that God is good. But we only look at what, what's right in front of us. And we see, well, my spouse is leaving. My, my soldier is coming home and he's broken and bruised. If, if God was really good, I would have kept my job. If God was really good, I would be able to provide for my family this holiday season. If God, and you can just fill in the blank. And all of us, at one time or another, have struggled with those questions. Looking what's right in front of us, and singing, and saying, and believing stuff that's up here, that what is right in front of our eyes, on the picture, or whatever, it just doesn't quite Gel. What do you do with that? What do you do with in your, when your beliefs, get, I mean, run headlong into life? Does your faith crash and burn? Because for many people, that's exactly what happens. When 
the things that they've been taught and the things that they've been singing and praying head on into life, many of them change the way they believe. They leave God. And they shake their head and they start thinking, well, maybe God really isn't that good. Maybe God really isn't that great. And they start questioning God because we have that problem, and a fellow by the name of Habakkuk had that problem. Now, some of you think I just sneezed. I didn't. That's a person's name. His name is Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K, all right? Uh, thank you. That's spelling B. I could have won that one right there. Here's what I need you to do. I want you to turn to the book of Habakkuk, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and save you time. Go ahead and go to the table of contents. Because right, this is only three chapters found in the Old Testament, and it's really, really small. So go ahead and turn to the, uh, to the table of contents, and you can look at there. Or you can pull out your iPhone or your smartphone, and you can follow along. Or if you don't have a phone, you don't have a Bible, though we give them away, it's going to be up here on the screen. And let's look at Habakkuk. As you're turning there, the word Habakkuk means to wrestle or to embrace. To wrestle or to embrace. And we're going to see this dude, Habakkuk, this dude with a weird name, wrestling with God with some really tough questions. In fact, this guy is asking God some really tough questions, the same tough questions that many of you have had. In fact, if you've not been to church in like a, a forever and you left church because you had some questions that didn't get answered, I mean, you would be right in the same boat with Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is going to be wrestling with these questions with God. And we look in verse 1, we're going to see these questions. Is God great? Is God good? And by the way, before we dig into the text, just going to throw this out there. Some of you think you have this erroneous idea that, you know what, to be a Christian means you can't ever question God. To be a Christian, to be a good Christian, means you got to have it all figured out and you got to have all the dots connected and everything and you got to be able to see the picture clearly and we never ever question God. And let me just go ahead and put that myth to rest because we see in the Bible there's a lot of people who question God. This dude Habakkuk is going to have question after question after question for God. A fellow by the name of Job, he wrote a book. It was a bestseller called Job. All right? He questioned God. The greatest king in Israel's history, his name was David. He had a lot of questions for God in the Psalms. In fact, Jesus is God. And a lot of people came and asked Jesus questions. So it is okay to question God. Now, Verse 1, chapter 1, this is what it says. The problem as God gave Habakkuk to see. The problem. We begin with what? A problem. Some of you know exactly where Habakkuk is coming from because you have a problem this morning. Your problem may be sitting right next to you. Your problem may be a child who has left God, has run so far away from God, you're wondering, is he or she ever going to be able to get back home? Your problem is just living with your children and not wanting to kill them. 
Your problem is you have to get up and go to a job that you hate one more day. Whatever your problem is. Habakkuk was laser focused on his problem and didn't see anything else. And we're going to be looking at how God expands that laser focus of Habakkuk's problem in verse 2 and 3. Now, what's the first question here? God, what's the next word? How. How long? How many of y'all have asked God the how long question? Anyone? Cool. How long do I have to put up with this pain? How long do I have to stay here before you move me from Fort Campbell? How long do, and, and you just fill in the blank. This guy, Habakkuk, he is, he, the whole context of this, he is totally surrounded by Israel's enemies, the Assyrians. And they're surrounded and cut off by Israel's enemies. And he's going, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? i got to be honest with you, if I was writing the Bible, I'd probably have marked that one out. I'm sorry, that's a little bit too controversial, Habakkuk. Habakkuk can't ask that question. But I'm not God, and I didn't write it. And God allowed it. In fact, God, God's Holy Spirit is the one who actually wrote this book. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen, Habakkuk says. How many times do I have to yell? How many of y'all have a problem with yelling? Tell the truth, shame the devil. All right, cool. All right, Habakkuk had a problem with yelling, and who is he yelling at? He's yelling at God. He's yelling at God going, how long do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? I mean, that is amazing. All right, I'm going to keep on reading. Before you come to the rescue, why do you force me to look at evil? How many of y'all are just tired, sick and tired of bad things happening? Anyone? I mean, I don't even look at the news anymore. Why? Because I have to take medication after it. Got to get me some happy pills. Some of you have some, all right? May want to let me borrow some. I just don't watch the news because it's like, that's dumb. I mean, this whole thing with North and South Korea. Dear Lord, I mean, what in the world is going on? You see these pictures of what we saw after, uh, of this dude in North Korea. and that, I mean, that dude in, in Iran. I mean, that stuff is scary. And this dude, Habakkuk, is asking this question, why are you going to force me to look at evil or stare trouble in the face day after day? I'm going to keep on reading verse 3. Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place. I mean, here we're winding down from the Iraq war. We're going to Afghanistan trying to quell stuff there. And then you got jacked up people in North Korea wanting to just pick on everybody. I mean, does, does that bother anybody else besides me? You see, it bothered Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is going, how long? Really, God, how long? How long are you going to let this stuff continue? And God doesn't strike Habakkuk dead by asking these questions. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you have the exact same questions. In fact, one of the things that we do here at One Church, and you're going to see the number up on the screen here in a little bit, is we take your questions because we want this to just be more than just me telling you stuff, but you act, actually interacting. 
because it's okay to ask questions. It's totally okay. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we may not like to answer. In fact, people was asking Jesus questions all day long, and very rarely did Jesus answer the question. Many times he answered the questions with a question. You know, God, Jesus, you know, when are you going to do this? And he says, I'll tell you, but you've got to answer this question. Oh, you know, oh. So it's okay to ask God questions. And I think what Habakkuk is saying is, God, the picture that I had of you in my life isn't, it, it's changing. You're different. And that's really what this entire series, God is. Because many of us, we have pictures of who or what we think God is in our lives, and they're not true pictures of the one and true almighty God. And the question is, when our view of God, the Mr. Rogers view of God, can't we all just get along, runs head over heels into the Lion of Judah. Are you going to change your view of God? Are you going to allow circumstances to totally wreck your belief? That's what we're talking about today. Now, let's keep on going. Verse 5, the Lord replied. See, God allowed the question, and now God's replying, and he says it like this. The Lord replied, and look at those next two words in the scriptures here. It says, look around. Everybody say, look around. Look around. Not jump around. Everybody, look around. See, y'all wanted to see me dance, didn't you? Some of y'all going, no, we didn't. All right. Habakkuk is going like this, and he's only seeing his problems And God is saying, I want you to broaden your focus. I want you to get a big picture perspective. I want you to look around. Look around, verse 5, at the nations. Look and be amazed, God says, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't even believe if somebody told you about it. And then God goes on to explain what that thing totally amazing is, that God was raising up the Assyrians, Israel's enemies, to be able to come in and be able to do something that Habakkuk didn't like and didn't quite understand. Now, so he has these questions, and God's saying, I want you to look around. Your focus is too narrow. I am bigger than what you can see. You're looking at just one spot, God says. I want you to look at the big picture. Habakkuk was laser-focused on his circumstances. And his circumstances said that God wasn't good, and God wasn't great. And God told him, I want you to look around and broaden your view. Look at the big picture, and that is exactly what Habakkuk did. In fact, we're going to jump to the end of chapter, uh, excuse me, the end of the book, chapter 3, verse 1, and this is what it says here. In chapter 3, verse 1, we see that Habakkuk broadened his perspective, and he says this, this prayer was sung. By the prophet Habakkuk. Now I want to, this is kind of amazing here, because at the beginning of chapter 1, he has a lot of questions. Why, 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 why? How long, how long, why, 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 why? And he ends the book worshiping God. That is amazing, guys. Because some of you are here, and you're here with a lot of why questions. Some of you are here, and you're asking questions. Why, God, why? Why does this have to happen now? And why does, why does he have to be gone now? And why, why do I have to lose my parents now? Why is my child not coming back now? Why am I losing my job 
during the holidays. Why? And yet, at the end of this book, we're going to see Habakkuk starting to worship God. Now, here's the thing. Has, has Habakkuk's circumstances changed? Absolutely not. Because the Syrians are still camped around Israel. Okay? Has Habakkuk got all of his questions answered the way he wanted them answered? Absolutely not. Because he's asking these questions, and some questions, God is going, you know what? This is not it. So if his circumstances hadn't changed, and if he hadn't got all of the questions answered the way he wanted to, then what has changed? And I can tell you what's changed. Habakkuk has changed. Because he, we're going to look in this chapter, has broadened his focus. He's broadened his tunnel vision. He begins, he chooses to worship and to praise God. And let me tell you, it is a choice. Some of you are in here and you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up with God. I'm fed up with the church. I'm fed up with God's people. I'm fed up with my circumstances. I'm fed up with my problems. And yet, Habakkuk chose to worship God. Let's look at it. Verse 2, he says this. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with what? All with your amazing works. In this time of our deep need. So he's just not in need. He's in what? Deep need. He's in knee deep need, right? Help us again as you did, did in years gone by. And in your anger, what is that next word? I'm sorry, this is an all-state morning. What is that next word? In that, he says, I want you to remember your mercy. When you're struggling seeing God's, God in all of your circumstances, when you're struggling thinking that God, just with your circumstances, you're seeing just, a, just what's right in front of you, and you're struggling, I don't know if God really is great. I'm struggling to see if God really is good. Then here is what Habakkuk is telling us, and this is our big idea today. To see the goodness of God, zoom out. To see the big picture. And how do we do that? By what? Remembering. Remembering. We can worship God when we reflect on his goodness, even when, when life is falling apart around us. He is saying, God, I remember that God is great. I remember that God is good. And I can even thank you for my food, even though I don't have food in front of me, because I'm too poor. I choose to worship God, I choose to broaden my perspective, and even though I see what's right in front of me, and it's screaming out to God, you're not that great, and God, you're not that good, and everything in my life stinks, I can look back and see a big picture of God's beauty and say, if God did this in my past, he will intervene in my future, even though my present stinks. And that is what we see him do. He remembers. Verse 3, I see God moving. You see, even when things are rough and things are jacked up around you, God is still moving. Sometimes when God isn't moving in your life or you don't think that he's moving in your life, you got to remember when he did move. 
And that is exactly what Habakkuk did. In, in verse 3, he talks about how God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. In verse 5, he talks about the plagues that God sent on the Egyptians um, there when they were in bondage in Egypt. In verse 8, he talks about parting the Red Sea, getting the Egyptians out. He talks about uh, God meeting with Moses on Mount Sinai with fire in verse 4. He remembers Joshua commanding the sun and the moon to stand still so that they could win in a battle in verse 11. Sometimes you have to remember. Sometimes when stuff right in front of you is saying that God isn't that great, God isn't that good, you have to go back and you have to look at some of the things that you've written down and you said, no, God, he came through then. And God came through this time. And two years ago, when I didn't know how we were going to be able to make the house payment and we were looking at foreclosure, God came through because somebody gave me a gift in the mail. Somebody sent a check in a card. Whatever it is, God came through. And if God did it in the past, he will do it in the future, even though your present stinks. But you got to choose to worship God. That is what Habakkuk did. He chose to worship God. And look at how he ends this whole song, this prayer that he's singing. He ends it this way. I love this verse. If you, if you want to memorize a, a verse, this is a great verse to memorize. Look at this. Everybody look. Everybody look at the screen. It says this in verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the field lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. I'm just going to stop right there. That's called a recession. Maybe even a depression. That is not good. Even though the flocks die in the fields, the cattle barns are empty. What's that next word? Some of y'all just need some yet moments. Some of you just need to say, you know what? It's not working out for me. I thought I would be married now. By now, I thought I would be married. I thought that he would change by now. I thought that he would come back to me. I thought that I would be farther along in life than I really am. I thought, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And by the way, his salvation hadn't come yet. He's still surrounded by God's enemies. But he's saying, you know what? I'm going to still have faith. When everything in front of me that I'm focusing on is saying that God is not good, I'm going to refocus on the big picture, and I'm going to choose to remember the goodness and the greatness of our God. You remember how we started today? He asked the question, why? And he's ending with worship, and now he's singing. All the while, Habakkuk's saying, there isn't an olive producer. There isn't an olive branch. I ain't got one olive anywhere on my olive grove. I mean, I've got these cattle. I spent all this money on. They all dead. I got orange trees that ain't making oranges. I got apple trees that got worms. I got all of this stuff. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. Some of you right now are wrestling with God today because that's what Habakkuk has been doing. He's been wrestling with God. And some of you are wrestling with God this morning, struggling right now during these holiday seasons because you are experiencing a holiday away from your loved one. 
either because of the military, either because of divorce, either because of separation, or death. Something has happened, and for some of you, this is not the most wonderful time of the year. There isn't a lot of joy to the world in your circumstances right now. And you're wrestling with God. Well, here's the cool thing about wrestling with God. Is it's impossible to wrestle with someone from afar. If I asked somebody to come up on stage and I said, let's wrestle it out. I would have to embrace them. We would have to get close. Even wrestling with God is an embrace. Even wrestling with God, you have to get close to him. And some of you... You keep on wrestling with God through your circumstances and through your trials and through your troubles because it's, in, it's with wrestling with him that everything, I promise you, everything, he will prove his goodness and his greatness. It reminds me of a, a story that probably the biggest thing that happened in my life um, was, uh, and probably the most painful thing is I, my wife and I were involved in, the, in a church uh, in the Midwest, and we had two kids at the time, and uh, I was their first uh, pastor, and uh, the church um, was just, uh, it was a church plant that had been around for four years, never had a pastor, and when we got there and things were started going good, and we saw a lot of growth, and the last year we were there, um, we baptized 136 people in a cornfield in Iowa, a town of 4,000 people, closest Walmart was 45 minutes away near Cheever. The last year that we were there, the reason why it was our last year is because we got fired. It wasn't because uh, uh, I did anything that warranted firing. I didn't sleep with anybody. I didn't sleep with the church secretary. I didn't take money. I didn't do anything like that. Uh, The people who were in charge of the church um, didn't like that the church was growing so much because they weren't in control. And... uh, They brought us in uh, one evening, me and my wife, and they said, you're done. And if you don't don't tell anybody about it, we'll give you your 11 days pay to your next paycheck. But you're done. We're like, I remember how leaving that meeting, and we had been praying for a year that God would intervene and do something. I mean, I had been praying, I had been fasting, and I I just knew God was going to change hearts. I knew God was just going to intervene. I got fired. I mean, what pastor gets fired, right? I'm thinking, dude, my ministry's done. It's over, you know? Because when people, when I tell people that I'm getting fired, when I got fired, they're going to go, yeah, right, you must have done something, right? Because are they really going to believe me? And as I was, I started getting just angry with God. God, I trusted in you, and I really wanted you to make this right. And you know what? He didn't make it right. So God must not be good. I still, I still believe that there was a God. I just questioned his character. You know what? God allowed me to do that. Looking back on it now, seeing the big picture, God did intervene. He got me out of a bad situation. And those people who were in charge of that church, some of them, Went to prison. And if I'd have been there, my family would have to, and here's the thing, if God hadn't gotten me fired, I would have never come back here and with a team of awesome people planted a church for people who don't go to church. 
And yet, at the time, was something that was so painful, and I was so laser-focused on and so angry about, I can look back now and I can see that God is indeed good. God is indeed great, even though my laser focus tells me otherwise. Let me tell you, God is good, but he's not fair. You know what I'm saying with that? I wanted God to be fair in this situation. He wasn't fair. God is good, but he's not fair. Now, some of you are going, can that be? Can God be good and not fair? Absolutely. Let me tell you, if God was fair, you know what would happen to all of us? None of us would get to heaven if God was fair. Because all of us, the Bible says that we have sin in our lives and that sin brings death and separation from God. If God was fair, none of us would get to heaven. It's kind of like a tip. I ended up, uh, this past week, my wife and I went out to eat and we went to this restaurant and we had a really bad waiter. Really bad. Dude had a bad attitude. He wasn't good. I mean, just you know what? When you have a bad waiter, what do you do to reflect his badness? The tip. Yes, some of y'all do that. I don't because I'm godly. No, I'm joking. No, I'm just joking. I mean, when you get a bad waiter, you're like, hey, he wasn't that good. And you don't give him a good tip, right? I do the same thing, so do you. God's not like that. This is how God, the Bible describes God in Romans 5, 8. He says, this, this is amazing. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I want to throw, you just, you need to read that one because that's going to rock your world. But God showed his great fairness. Is that what it says? See, God's not fair. If God was fair, Jesus would have never been up on the cross. We would have never gotten to heaven. But God's not fair, but he is good. And he is great. And even though your circumstances tell you otherwise, God is good. God is great. And I want to say this. Right now, I'm going to have the, the greeters going to come, and they're just going to pass along, pass, give you straws. And these straws are intended to remind you of getting outside of your tunnel vision because all of us live in tunnel vision. I would encourage you today as we close, some of you right now, things are great, things are good, and you have all the food that you need. You know what you need to do? You need to thank him for that. You need to write that down. You need to journal that. You need to blog that. You need to tweet that. Whatever you need to do, you do that. Because there's going to be some times and some days coming up when you're going to be questioning God's goodness and God's greatness because you don't have enough food to eat and you can't pay the bills and your spouse or your children have walked out. And during those times, You need to go back and you need to look at those journal entries. And you need to choose to remember and to worship. Because our God is great. And our God is good. Dear Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you allow people like Habakkuk and Job and David and Moses, and so many other people in the Bible to ask you questions. That you allow people to come in and just be able to question the Creator. 
question the God of the universe, and you don't strike them dead. You don't zap them with lightning. You allow them to get the stuff off their chest, allow them the questions, and then you prove yourself again and again. Not that God is fair. One day justice will take place. But Lord, we can see in every breath that we take, through every sunrise and sunset, through every smile of a little baby, through a, a homecoming with a soldier coming home to his family, to health, and even when all of that other stuff is taken away, we can still see your goodness, God. Because God, you are good. And God, you are great. And I pray for those here this morning who are struggling and hurting, Lord, that you do what you always do through the ages. That you would show them yourself. Just as you showed Moses. Just as you showed Joshua. Just as you showed Samuel. You would show Chris and Jamie and Rick. Dan, and everybody else in here, that you are good and you are in control. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.